Welcome to the first episode of Who's On Him, the official podcast of the Quadruple AFL. And welcome to our theme music. My name is Dylan Evans and I'm your host extraordinaire and I am joined by co-host, absolute legend of a person, former premier of the quadruple AFL and social basketball superstar, Josh Ryan. JR, how are you? Oh, good mate. Good mate. Uh, cheers for the pump up and uh, yeah, happy to be here. <laughs> what would you describe yourself? If you had to describe yourself first to a person and say, I am this, would you describe yourself as a former quadruple AFL premier or would you describe yourself as a 20 point a night menace on the Port Adelaide social basketball scene? Oh, look, I mean, I try and work both in there if I can. But uh, yeah, if I had to pick one, um, you know, you can't beat the quadruple AFL. That is the crowning uh, achievement of anyone's life. So uh, yeah, definitely uh, a former premier. It's interesting that you mentioned um, that you try and get both of them in because I've seen you try and do that in conversation and it's very unnatural as well. Probably, probably just go with the uh, quadruple AFL premier from here on out. JR, thank you for being my co-host in this journey. This has been a long time coming. I can't describe how long we've been talking about uh, having a podcast for, which is very entitled white men of us, um, thinking that everybody wants to hear our views. But it's a reality. We bought some secondhand equipment. Um, I've decided to move interstate, making the whole process a lot more difficult. But we're here. We're recording our first episode. And I don't know about you, but I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely pumped. Absolutely pumped. Uh, obviously, the countdown over summer has uh, been long and arduous, but uh, yeah, we're nearly uh, nearly at uh, quadruple AFL season five. So yeah, ready to go. Some of the chat in the group chat today just exemplifies the fact that we are ready for football to come back. There is some absolute just nothing discussion happening, and I, I can't wait for draft day next week because I think it's going to refocus us and realign us. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, I hope the uh, conversation continues around the death tiki. I think there's many important options to be explored. So, uh, yeah, we'll try and we'll try and keep that going at the same time. We are exploring if that's a uh, stable financial model, but we'll, we'll work that out as we go through. Um, all right, let's get into it. JR, <laughs> you don't know a lot about this. I gave you a rundown sheet last night, very, very late, and just sort of said adapt. So I'm going to throw a lot of things at you today. And the first one I'm going to throw at you is... Our first ever segment, which is called "Get Him Off." Fucking get him off! Yeah, um, get him he's coming off. Get, get him, him back off. off! Get him off! Get him get off! Get him off! Rocket! Rocket! We can't hear. Now, get him off, and I'm going to explain this in the simplest way possible because I anticipate that we'll have about 15 listeners for this podcast, and they're all very, very simple people. So it's essentially this. Each week, we're we're pretty negative people. I describe ourselves as, and we're, we're not. We're not entirely, you know, rainbows and sunshines. And something grinds our goat each week. And, you know, in the footy world when, you know, a player's really just getting on your nerves or even in the fantasy world and you need a break from them, you just get them off, get them off. And that's exactly what we're going to do um, this week. And it could be about anything, JR. It could be, you know, something that's happening in your social life. It could be happen, you know, happening on the sports field. It could be absolutely anything that you want to discuss. On the flip side of things, we could also do a positive spin on this and we'll have a working title for that because I haven't thought that far ahead. So it doesn't have to be negative every week. But for this week, JR, 
what has really gotten under your skin and what do you need to get off your chest? Well, mate, um, you know, there's a lot of things that, that get on my nerves, but uh, over these last couple of weeks, there's only one thing that has, you know, really topped the charts for, for getting on my nerves and that is the Australian cricket team. <laughs> my God, what a sorry bunch of losers they are. Um, gee, I, I, there's so much I could say and I could go on for hours if, uh, if given the opportunity, but... Uh, you know, now after I, the summer they had i'm going to be honest with you i think probably until about maybe three or four days ago when the full situation came out i think pat cummins would have been firmly in your crosshairs and i think we we might give him a bit of space for a week um outside of that though jr who would you say is the person that is really just within the australian cricket team that is just exemplifying what it means to be a loser right now oh look look and i hate to do this because he's had a great career and he's one of the all-time great players but uh steve smith running off mid-tour to uh dubai for a holiday with his wife pretty questionable after a couple of pretty embarrassing losses for the uh national test team um so i, I reckon uh yeah he's uh he's firmly in the crosshairs this week so hang um, on hang yeah, on so pretty, uh, pretty piss poor we're going to go after the the greatest since bradman when we have um people like david warner who is just re- refusing to release his <laughs> test spot because he is a selfish <laughs> moron. And then we have um, the, the selectors. We have, um, you know, Ronald McDonald in charge of the team. And we're, we're going to go after <laughs> Steve Smith. Is that correct? <laughs> look, amongst others, I, look, I could be uh, very convinced into going after Ronald McDonald, George Bailey, the uh, head selector. Um, but the good news is, you know, obviously the first two tests haven't gone to plan, but there is some reinforcements heading over to India. And um, I don't know about you, but I'm really excited to see uh, Cam Bancroft back in the mix. And uh, uh, Matt Short apparently uh, heading back over, and um, you know the uh, the inclusion of uh, Matthew Kuhneman's uh, left arm spin uh, really really got me going. So uh, yeah, we'll uh, see what the third test holds. But uh, yeah, it's been a pretty piss poor tour. I feel like we're re-entering the early 2010s when we just have a rotating cast of absolute idiots coming through this Australian <laughs> test team, and we just don't give a yelp in any capacity unless we're at home, which is. I don't know. The, the evidence suggests that is actually what is happening because as soon as we go overseas and in particular to India, it, it is a nightmare. We, we could have predicted this. This this is exactly what we oh. all thought would happen beforehand. A hundred percent. Like I, I'm still half expecting uh, Michael Beer from the uh, 2010 sort of era to uh, to get a late call up to the uh, third or fourth test. That's the way it's going at the moment. So um, yeah, not good times for for Australian cricket. I would have had you paying a dollar twenty to rant about the Australian cricket team um, if I had gone to Normbet and asked for some odds. So um, I'm glad that you did that because it also sets me up for my um, get him off segment as well. And it is loosely related, but also, uh, yeah, not not necessarily directly related, but there's definitely a connection there. And that is through the sport of cricket. And my get him off segment for this week is um, grown men who play cricket into their 30s and <laughs> there is a really there's a really targeted uh couple of people in our fantasy chat who i'm going to go after with this um one being grady hud and one being um adam schmidt and to be honest with you this this wasn't on my radar until late yesterday when um schmidt sheepishly came into the group chat and said oh We've made finals again in cricket, and oh, that it's Saturday and Sunday next week, and oh, that's draft day, and oh, I don't know what to do. And it was about this time of last year that the exact same thing happened. And look, 
the big takeaway is if you're in your 30s, do Pilates, do golf, do something else. You don't have to go and roast yourself in 40 degrees in the middle of a paddock fielding for eight hours while your team gets beaten but somehow still makes finals because it's just – it's one, it's disruptive to the fantasy calendar, and two, it's just not fun. Like, it's not fun to talk about. It's not fun to, to be involved in. I just don't get why people do it. Now, this is also – your area of expertise because about two years ago, three years ago, you, you re-entered the cricket world and quickly gave it up. So could you, could you add to that? Yeah, that's a pretty, uh, pretty accurate synopsis of, uh, of what happened. Um, you know, I was a, you know, okay sort of junior player, spent 15 years out of the game and, and thought I'd walk back in and be, uh, be pretty handy. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, it was absolutely awful. Um, was fielding out on the, uh, out on the deep mid-wicket boundary for about uh, 30 overs in 40-degree heat. Uh, fellow fantasy uh, football player Michael Johnson even uh, did a drive-by and, uh, yeah, mentioned that, God, that looked absolutely fucking awful. Who the hell would do this? So, yeah, I think it, uh, I think once you've hit 30-plus, uh, yeah, it's probably time to give it away and, and focus on the more important thing, which is uh, one's fantasy career. And, um, you know, Schmidt, you know, I think he really should be focusing on his fantasy career because it's been a disappointing four years for him. Oh, not if you ask him. Back-to-back pleb finals is uh, obviously the holy grail of what we're after. And, uh, you know, like I said, he, he has two of them in the bank and we can't really argue with that. So uh, anyway, that look, if you're my takeaway is if you're a grown man, give it up and do something else with your time because we all have families that, you know, we want to either spend time with or not spend time with. And if you're in the latter category, then go golf. It can still take you all day. You can still do two or three hours. Um but you don't have to, you know, look like an idiot in cricket white. So that's that's my hot take anyway. We're going to take a break. Okay. I think it's important, JR, at this stage that if we do happen to have extra listeners other than the, the 15 that we're anticipating, and to be honest with you, I don't think we're going to get 15 because, like, are you are you convinced John knows what a podcast is? No, I, I'm absolutely not convinced he's uh, got a uh, got a Spotify account even. So um, yeah, I, I'm not expecting. If you can't participate in the group chat, you're probably uh, you're probably not hitting the podcast up. But uh, there was some signs of life from him yesterday, which were uh, which were positive going into uh, into the new the new year. It's like he has a North Melbourne like spidey sense, and as soon as somebody like talks about like Sheezel or anybody associated with the future of North Melbourne, he's like, oh, cool, I'll check my phone now. Oh, you, one way to get him to reply, you just mentioned Jason Horn Francis and he is uh, he is coming for that that group chat and he's coming in hot. It's, it's either him or Presbury. They, they both have the, the same radar. So you're either born with it and you, you suffer along, I guess we can't really talk as Crows fans, but you, you suffer along with your team and, you know, you take the little wins like Sheezel kicking three goals in a practice match and you run with it. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you just, like I said, celebrate the little wins as you're going along. Um, JR, what I thought was at this stage, we might just give a really brief overview of um, who we are as a fantasy league, um, a bit of the history of the league, and just, uh, I guess, the current structure for any new listeners. Because, look, I'll be honest with you, um, I saw the Traders kit come out yesterday, and I saw uh, the supposed experts of AFL fantasy, and I don't want to throw too much shade because that's what the rest of the year is for, um, and I will be going hard at the Traders for the next you know, nine months or so. But our league is quite deep. I think we have um, some really committed people. And I think overall we we set ourselves apart with a, a few little tweaks to the league. So let's just go back to 2019. 
when very, very hastily we threw together a league at the last moment. There was a few people who were over uh, Fantasy Classic and we decided, yep, we'll get a draft together. Now, I'm going to throw some names at you in that original league and I want you to just give me a really quick summation of, um, I guess, their participation and how they um, engaged with the league. Um, So first person is Brent McLean. Well, I mean, you know, obviously we know Brent well and, um, you know, for someone that, that plays footy, his interest in the AFL is just really completely non-existent. Um, and, and that really sort of showed through in his uh, fantasy participation. I'm not sure there's, oh, there may have been one person that cared less, but uh, yeah, he's, uh, his care factor was really low and it wasn't a surprise to see him drop out after year one. So 2019, and JR, this is not meant to be a swipe at you, but it is a swipe at you. So I, I do apologize in advance, but um, a few of us inside group chats refer that as um, AFL social it was back when you know or, or even back if you want to compare it to, to a period when you know people would play um, AFL in the late 1800s early 1900s in you know full-length pants and in workers boots and they, they'd have absolutely no idea that is what AFL fantasy was for us back in 2019 but what I will say is you're the inaugural premier that was the year that you won your flag congratulations we can't take that away from you but when you look at the competition compared to what it is now would you say that we've improved as a league yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, looking back on that first year, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely right. I think there was probably four or five real, uh, real easy beats, and, and the quality of the league wasn't anywhere near what it is now. But uh, having said that, I was the best damn AFL social premier that there's uh, ever been, um, and probably the only one. What I like to refer to it as is the the period of time when um, you you like. Okay, we, we all go through the stage in our lives when we're, we're big into social sports, so whether it's social basketball, social netball, whatever it might be. And you, JR, you won your premiership at 10.30pm on a Wednesday night at the Golden Grove Rec Centre. And look, nobody can take that away from you, but at the same time, we all look at it with disdain. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's definitely, it was definitely, I think, the easiest year to win. And um, yeah, the, the quality of the league year to year is just you know, improved and the stakes have really risen and, you know, looking forward to, to 2023, uh, you know, it promises to be the, the biggest and best year yet. So uh, what, yeah, I, what I will say is with that, I, I do agree with you that the, the league quality has improved year to year, except, <laughs> except the immediate year after 2019, we also, um, we, we kicked out some <laughs> of the, some of the stragglers. We kicked out Brent McLean, Tim Clark, Reece Shermer, and we got some new blood in, some really excited people who were ready to join the league. And one of them was uh, Adam Telfer, who, correct me if I'm wrong, did he get a win in 2020? Uh, he did not. He uh, he went winless. He uh, Towards the back end of the year, I think there was a week where he got quite close. I wish I could remember who it was against so I could throw some shade. But, uh, yeah, the man who, yeah, he was really keen leading up to the draft. Uh, and then it got to probably... You know, by the time the first round had ended, maybe 7.30, uh, he'd made one pick and he's decided, no, I, I have to go to bed. I have work tomorrow. To be, to be fair, so, uh, to be fair, that draft did go until about midnight. So, <laughs> I remember having a, uh, yeah, a 5 a.m. alarm, I reckon, the next morning. And uh, yeah, it was rough. But, uh, you know, you've got, to, uh, you've got to be committed to these things. And uh, he just wasn't up to it. From 2021, we've had a stable group in the league, which is very, very exciting. In fact, this is our uh, first 
year that we haven't actually had a changeover in people. We introduced Echo last year. We introduced Alex last year to um, very, very welcomed members to the fantasy world. Um, in fact, as I'm saying that, I'm looking at the group chat and I can see that, say, Alex at the door for free entry is messaging the group usually with about eight messages in a row to really ram home his point and then we don't hear him for another 48 hours. But look, he, he is a, a loved, beloved member of our fantasy group. Um, what I think we'll quickly just do is rip through the past premiers and talk about the current league structure this year. So 2019 was obviously yourself. 2020 um, in COVID year with a big asterisk next to his name was uh, Stasi Dimku. 2021, the year I, I guess we really started taking it seriously, it was Jake Dean Ashenden with his love affair with Took Miller. And in 2022, um, and we'll hear from this person very, very shortly, is Lachlan Norman. Now, another question to throw back at you. Who is the most unpopular premier of AFL fantasy so far? Because there's two names that stick out, obviously, in that list. And it's usually up for debate, but I have a, I have a bit of a take on it. Yeah. I, gee, before... Uh... Before the uh, most recent season gone by, you know, it, it was hard to envisage uh, anyone being more unpopular a premier than uh, Stasi Dimku, the self-proclaimed villain of the league. But uh, yeah, gee, it's hard to go past uh, Lachlan Norman. The uh, the amount of uh, self-promotion and um, you know just general uh, general arrogance uh, you would have to say over the last uh, six months from this man has had to be seen and, and read to be believed. Um, so yeah, it's hard to hard to go past Lockie. I think is the most unpopular premier. Uh, I yeah, be interested to hear your views. Well, um, you've taken the words right out of my mouth because my 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 I guess thoughts and feelings on this is yes, Stasi was incredibly unpopular, unpopular, and he still remains incredibly unpopular. However, his <laughs> <laughs> his is very much an act. It's very much a oh, you know. I'm the premier, I'm the villain, I'm this. And it's very put on. And we, we know that because last year he made a really conscious effort to try and be a nice guy, which obviously did not work because he's gone back to being an arsehole this year. Now, that act is exactly what it is. It's an act. Lachlan Norman has genuine arrogance that sets him apart from the rest. And it was on display all last year. And as soon as that Sunday of Grand Final Day kicked in and he knew he was home, it has gone up, what, 200%, maybe more? Oh, minimum, minimum. He, it's definitely gone up <laughs> significantly. He is going to be insufferable this year. That's all I'll say. And I don't know how far we can be removed from a premiership before it sort of goes, okay, yeah, you won one a little while ago. Shut up, but I can't wait for that day. Would you say his uh, arrogance has gone up uh, over these last six months by as much as uh, the price of VRA has gone down since the uh, since the highs? You know what? I I don't have the the evidence in front of me, but I would like to see a study into that because there is definitely some causation there. <laughs> <laughs> the the I 30s go down, the arrogance goes up. Okay. Yeah. Still still waiting. We might take a quick break and then we'll come back with a recap of the 2022 season. All right, let's do a quick recap of 2022 to set the scene for this year, JR. So I'll run down the final ladder because it had some ramifications and some of the decisions that were made throughout the year, I guess, dictated ladder position, but didn't translate into the final series. So first of all, 
At the top of the ladder, we've got the 17-2 and two Collie Wobbles. Really red hot throughout the year. Would you have said that going to the finals, they were your favourite? Yeah, they were uh, definitely up there. Um, I reckon I had the uh, the Collie Wobbles and uh, Raina, your parade, uh, you know, as uh, at least co-favourites. Um, but, you know, 17-2 and two going into the finals, you would expect that uh, Willow was uh, going to get the job done um, with that sort of record. And he was certainly confident about it. And, um, yeah, you would, you would expect that, uh, that he would have been the Premier, wouldn't you? Absolutely. Second and third place, uh, Rainey, your parade, and Magic Mike both tied on 14 wins and five losses. Magic Mike, wow. Let's, uh, we might wait until we get to the preliminary final chat to talk about them, but a lot of pressure this year, that's all I'll say. Speaking, <sighs> speaking about pressure and self-implosion, uh, revolving doors in fourth place. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the 13 and 6 revolving doors who absolutely sold their soul to get into fourth position, having never made it into the top four previously and just decimated their team. And uh, we'll get to that very shortly as well. Eventual Premier James Hurd Immunity, Lachlan Norman in fifth spot, 11 and 8, tied with DVTT. I can't say that name on, uh, on this podcast, <laughs> but Regan's team is what we'll call them. Regan's team on, uh, yeah, in position six. Keefe's former Premier from the previous year, pick seven. Oh, pick seven, sorry, ladder position seven. And then basic cards doing what basic cards do best and sneaking into the eight on the back of some terrible buy wins in eighth position. What's your hot take from that ladder? Is there anybody who didn't deserve to be in there? Because I'm pretty sure my, my thoughts are, are out there in the world now about who didn't deserve the eighth spot. But anyway. Yeah, I think the bottom half of that, that top eight was... Uh... Yeah, pretty ordinary, uh, you would have to say. And um, there was probably some claims outside the eight of, of teams that uh, may have may have performed better had they uh, had they got in. But uh, you know that's the way the uh, the season goes. And, and you have to say well done to those teams that that did get in. But uh, yeah, it was pretty clear that the um, yeah the winner was probably not coming from the uh, bottom three of the top eight. I you, think you would have to say you can say well done to those bottom half of the top eight teams, but I'm not. I, I despise most of them, except, except for probably Dean. That's, the other the other three are going to get fucked. Um, uh, the the bottom eight, so the pleb final series, uh, we have Stasi, who actually tied Davies for wins but lost out on percentage uh, in ninth spot. Uh, the sneaky jellyfi- uh, jellyfishers, Adam Schmidt in 10th. Yourself, JR, in 11th. Presbury in 12th. John Matson in 13th. Dyslexia, Untied, X, Adam Leach in 14th. Uh, 15th is Alex's team. And then 16th, our wooden spoon winner for the year is Grady Hud, the nine till threes. Um, anybody from that list that you think should have made it into the top eight? Oh, gee. I mean, not really, to be honest. Uh, there were some teams that sort of came, came with a rush and, you know, really geared their team up to uh, to win um, the pleb finals. But uh you know, by then it's you know too late to achieve anything of any uh, any significance. So, yeah, I, I you know you can't argue. You finished down there. Um, you know, you've had a pretty ordinary year, haven't you? Um, what I will say is, we, we have a rule in AFL fantasy, and that's not to talk about the pleb final series because we don't want to give it any value and weight. But I'm just going to really touch on that. Adam Schmidt, like we mentioned earlier, did win this for the second year in a row, and. Um, had grand plans to bring in a giant shield to presentation night and present it to, him, <laughs> present it to himself, which as commissioner I vetoed because that's just the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. 
that shield was going out the window. That was what was happening. <laughs> there was we're, there was plans afoot. <laughs> we're on we're on a two story um, hotel as well, so we could have ab- absolutely done that, and maybe we should have. Maybe if he wins a third one, which is very very likely, we'll let him do it, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> um, Jr. Yourself yourself in eleventh. I would say that that was a true ref- a reflection of your draft day experience, where you decided to pick everybody who was under the age of twenty two. <laughs> And uh, you obviously either forgot that it was not a keeper league or you just wanted to pick the players that you liked. Do you have anything to say to that? Yeah, I, I made a um, made a conscious sort of decision, you know, at the end of last uh, last season that uh, I wouldn't do that again. But, um, you know, one week out from uh, from draft day, I, I'm 100% probably going back to that well. I just can't help it. So <laughs> I'm prepared for probably a season that may be quite similar to the last my favourite was when it all looked justified in round one when Nick Martin dropped 140 or something ridiculous, <laughs> something ridiculous and everybody thought you were a genius and then very, very quickly it turned into to Madman JR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it didn't, uh, didn't go as planned, did it? So, Okay, into the final series. Uh, I'm not going to recap every single final, but I will jump straight to the preliminary final. I'll, I'll put my hand up. I went out in straight sets, which is a true reflection of the back end of my, my season where... Uh, <laughs> Panic traded all my good players away because they all decided to take. I, I would say that uh, that your team at you know maybe what was it maybe round nine or ten, I was like, you know the revolving doors they're going to win it. It was you know you had the best team. It was all looking great, and then for no reason whatsoever, you just completely blew it up. I, I've I never seen. Say, I wouldn't like say it. there was no reason. I would say that um, some of my players decided <laughs> to do some stupid things, including a headbutt into. Uh, a league-imposed ban for recreational drug use. And i he was also my captain or vice-captain at the time, and I just thought, you know what? I'm really gunning for that top four spot. The double chance is important, not thinking that I would lose two in a row. And, yep, traded, <laughs> traded out Mr. Bailey Smith um, for Zorko, who pinged his hammy immediately. And it was, just, it was all downhill from there. But anyway, enough about me. It's very, very self-indulgent. Um, straight to the preliminary final series. Look, obviously, we had two very, very close prelims. Mad Jack Might, we'll start with him as a quick talking point. Three prelims in four years, is that correct? Uh, that is correct. Uh, three prelims actually in a row. So Three um, prelims in a row. And um, look, I don't have uh, the data in front of me, Jay, but could you just confirm how many grand finals he made from those prelims? Uh, from those three prelims, he made, uh, let me just look at my stats here, uh, zero. Zero grand zero finals. Zero grand finals from three prelims. That is... It's always hard to do. Like it's it's actually you got a, essentially a 50-50 chance of making the grand final at that stage. So you're losing three coin tosses, let alone the fact that he had the two was it the two best players in fantasy in Brayshaw and Laird or very close yeah, to that. Correct, correct. Yeah. I, I I last year was yeah, you would have thought he was set up going in and and you know, potentially this might have been his year, but yeah, wasn't to, wasn't to be. My my favorite story from it was uh, heading into that last game, and you know he looked uh, you know at least a decent shot to win, and you know he didn't even uh, didn't he, obviously uh, John and I were uh, housemates at the time, and um, I was expecting you know to watch that last game with him, and um, yeah, he actually uh, went to his went to his parents to watch it because he uh, couldn't take the pressure. So <laughs> it was a man under uh, enormous strain. <laughs> That is a man who is also going to be under enormous strain this year because I think <laughs> anybody who makes three prelims in a row and then doesn't 
either make a grand final or just even performs to an adequate standard. I I would say he is probably the most under the pump for 2023, but we can get to those predictions very, very shortly. Lachlan Norman made the grand final, and then on the other side, the the greatest preliminary final that we've had in fantasy. Oh, yeah, I'd say the greatest preliminary final. There was a tied prelim as well, which was equally as exciting, but that was back in the AFL Social Nines um, era. B-Will versus Echo. Oh, I think it was something like a 50-point lead with an extra player. No, sorry, not an extra player. It was a 2v1, but a 50-point lead heading into the last quarter. Looking pretty safe. And then um, on comes Andrew McGrath and then sealed by Sam Powell Pepper with a goal in the last 10 seconds. Would Just a really quick side note. Would that be the most excited you've been about a fantasy game that hasn't involved yourself in, I guess, any time? I think it may have been the most excited I've been about a fantasy game ever, to be honest, even ones including myself. <laughs> it was just incredible. I'd given up the ghost on it uh, probably, yeah, early early in that last quarter um, and wasn't even watching. And then uh, obviously the group chat uh, started heating up and, you know, there were some indications that the impossible might be possible and, um, yeah, turn it on. And, uh, yeah, a few minutes later, Sam Powell Pepper is uh, sealing the win for a uh, You've never seen a bunch of people get more excited Incredible. more excited about Port Adelaide versus Essendon on a Sunday Arvo in front of an empty Etihad Stadium. I would actually say there was more members of our league watching that game than there was Essendon fans left in the venue. Um, poor B-Will. Um, look, we're not going to harp on that. We, we've done a deep dive of that on presentation night last year and I do feel really bad for him but um, yeah misses out in the grand final Echo first year in first grand final well done to him into the grand final and I've got the result in front of me um, bit of a whitewash in the end it was pretty much over by Saturday Arvo Saturday night James Heard immunity 16-19 defeats Rainy Your Parade 13-95 and uh, we crown Lachlan Norman the 2022 Premier and I guess um, JR heading into the last section of the recap of 2022 before we actually invite the the premier into the chat just a really quick recap of the award winners for 2022 we obviously have the the major award um, which was presented at uh presentation night which is the tiny violin award and that was uh presented to jared presbury for the second year in a row um tiny violin obviously you need to have a lot of poor injury luck and then equally complain about it just as much in the chat. So it's a real credit. To, it's a real credit to him that he's uh, managed to back that up twice, twice in a row. And he's uh yeah, obviously not only having that bad run of injury, but he's managing to get his fingers typing quick enough to complain about it. So well done Presbury to you. Hopefully you can keep up that form. Meme of the year went to, <laughs> I got, we can't even really talk about meme of the year because some of them just, are so abstract and ludicrous that we could even describe it to people who have seen them. And I don't think they'll know what we're talking <laughs> about, but um, I think yourself, you won that. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. With a uh, Adam Leach t- uh, cross Simpsons, cross big bash uh, <laughs> abstract meme special. So I'm oh, the uh, uh, Lockie's pizza was also involved. <laughs> very, very good. Um, so- uh, onto that, we also had Best in Chat, which was won by yourself as well, because uh, I'm assuming a lot to do with the, the meme content and production throughout the year. Um, am I missing any other awards? I think that's it. I feel like we, we are missing one. No, maybe that's it. That must have been it. Presentation of the spring. It wasn't a villain of the year, was there? No. Oh, not a bad idea, though. There was a presentation of the, the Telf Spoon to Grady, <laughs> to which Michael Johnson forgot to bring the physical spoon. <laughs> 
Um, uh, he, he was so excited. He'd spent all week like mocking it up with some like printouts and it was, there, there was some effort that had gone into it. And uh, yeah, the realization that it had been not put in the Woolies bag uh, on the way to Presos was, uh, yeah, was the sad one. And uh, obviously then we presented Lachlan Norman with his shield, which he uh, didn't take home <laughs> with him and then uh, proceeded to uh, not collect it from my house. And I have now moved interstate. So it is currently sitting in my cupboard um, while we wait for Lockie to come up here and grab it. Was it the first thing that you grabbed out of uh, the moving boxes when they uh, got up there? To be honest with you, I actually thought he had it for a long time until I was unpacking things and I was like, oh shit, it's here. So <laughs> he, he is supposed to be coming up in May, so he can collect it then. All right. Anyway, let's take a break. Let's get the premiere on and we'll talk uh, 2023 and we'll get him to recap his season. All right, JR, in the room with us now is the aforementioned 2022 premiere and as decided by us off camera from Lockie, so he isn't aware of this, the most unpopular premiere of uh, quadruple AFL history, uh, Lachlan Norman. Lockie, welcome. Yeah, no, good to be here, lads. Good to be here. I'd probably question that uh, that classification as the least popular. Why don't we come to that? Who, who would you say is the least popular then? Well, I think it's pretty obvious that one asterisk having member of the, the premiership winning uh, cohort would be a little bit less popular than me, but that's okay, you know. Here's, Everyone has opinions, and that's what makes it fun. Here's how we summarise the situation. We we said that you're both equally unpopular. However, Stasis is very um, put on and, you know, acting is very professional wrestling-based, um, which, you know, is very uh, in line with his personality, whereas yours is just genuine, like genuine true arrogance, um, and that's what separates you apart. Yeah, well, it, it's hard not to be when you've won the most difficult season of the entire competition. <laughs> uh, I don't make the rules. I'm already regretting this interview. Okay. <laughs> Loggy, thank you for your time today. There's a, there's a two-part activity. We've got you in for an interview, and then we've got you in for a bit of a gimmick uh, in the next section. So what we've spent the last 10 minutes before this doing is just recapping 2022, the year that was, um, just going through the, the final ladder going through the final series and, and so on. So I guess it's just a really broad um, question. And JR, I'm actually going to steal one of your questions, first of all, because we've already spoken about the initial one. But just talk us through talk us through your year. What what worked well for you? What separated yourself from the rest of the pack last year in uh, comparison to the previous three years? I reckon probably on draft day, it was picking up, there's probably four or five guys that ended up being massive for me. So Will Brody. Mm-hmm. who went in, I think, 120-ish. Um, Dion Prestia, who no one wanted to touch, who was unbelievable. Mark Blixavs. Yeah, not yet. That's right. Blixavs at 300. Daniel Rioli at 300. Um, those probably, those blokes. Oh, George Stewart uh, was the other one. So probably you, those five guys. Did you actually get Mark Blixavs at 300? Yeah, three, 308 or something like that. And then... Rioli at like 3.30 and both those guys. So like Rioli, defender forward, man, any injury, you flick him back and forward. You pick someone off their base, it covers it. So those boys, I think, over the course of the year were the difference. Um, but then it's like, you know, it's about it's about adapting, isn't it, throughout the year? 
because at, at the end of the year, I had like what four or five guys that were that were left from the draft because Would... Blake's role has changed throughout the year. You know, you can't just this is what some people like get attached to certain blokes. Like let's say, I don't know, for example, Hugh McCluggage, right? Some people get really attached to blokes. <laughs> Who's that? Okay, yeah, I don't know, but like, and especially the high draft picks. And they don't want to let him go, even though their their role might diminish, and they could get they've got currency. You've got to you've got to have no emotional attachment to anyone except for Tim English, obviously. Is that an indication of how high you're going to take Tim English in this draft pick three? I don't think I'll get Tim English this year, at least not initially. <laughs> Jay, I just he'll, he'll find his way to me. A really quick one: hearing that Lockie took Blitzarves at three hundred, and you know Daniel Rioli and so on. Uh, do you regret your decision to take Nick Martin so highly now? Well, I didn't take Nick Martin at all. Did you get him in off the draft? The, did you get him off the free agent heap? Yeah, free agent heap before round one. Jesus Christ! Um, I have, I have, uh, have multiple regrets of guys I, I did take too early, but. Uh... But this, yeah. this is something I'm like thinking about for this year is that like when you're looking, when you look back on all the picks, it's rare, it's rare that you go, oh shit, one of the ones I took in the first like 50 went higher. Like this is what I say, the picks, what wins you the flags is the 200 to 300 where you pick some guy who's like 65, 70, but goes 90 or like Dean when he won the flag and took was like what pick 80 or something like that, then goes to a whole another level. Like, there's a there's less room for growth in those high picks, so you got to get them right. So I'm just like look because of course I've got the spreadsheet up here. You can see it in the mirror reflection here. Yeah, I'm taking. But notes. like guys, yeah, guys <laughs> like uh, okay. So B will, B will's got five picks in the first thirty eight. Then not another one to one sixteen. If he messes up a couple of those or they go backwards, bad luck B will. You're done. Mm, you got to get those late ones right. I love that we're throwing shade at people uh, already. That's great. Lockie, question for you. Now, this is possibly an obvious question because I think we all know the, the history of your trading last year, but do you happen to have a favourite trade that sticks out to you from 2022? Oh, well, yeah. The, ob- the obvious one is the the Duncan um, trade. But there was another one that was quite good as well, which was um, completely initiated by a newbie to the league in Echo. So this was about, I think it was round just before round three, I think it was. And I get this like notification, get this email, like trade request or whatever um, from Echo. And he's sending me Seb Ross for Jack Darling, who I've just picked up Jack Darling off FAs. And I'm looking at this going like, what's the catch? <laughs> Nothing wrong with Seb Ross. And I think he played a little bit um, half forward or something in the first couple of rounds. So they might've just been like testing him out there. But you look at his like history, and he's like ninety every year for Jack Darling, and I was just gone except, and then Seb goes on to average ninety five for the year, and Darling like barely played, so that was a nice one that I didn't even have to do anything for, but the the Duncan one was just the culmination of three weeks of just Monday mornings. Are you ready, Leach? Are you ready now? I'm going to interrupt for a second. That is yeah. uh, Mitch Duncan and somebody who's, I think, been forgotten in the trade. I can't even remember who the second part of that was for. It's uh, Mitch Mitch Duncan and Nick Holman, <laughs> I received. For <laughs> Lachlan Shoal and Mason Wood, or Shoalwood as we now affectionately call the group. So he, he had 
made mention that he was getting frustrated with Duncan not dropping hundreds because I think he might have been his first pick, like pick maybe 14 or something like That's that. I can't remember. Surprise. And uh, I just said, you know, oh, how about Duncan? How about Duncan? How about Duncan? And his patience is wearing thin. And then he dropped another like 75, 80 or something like that. And then I've hit him up on a Monday morning. I remember like it, it like held me up for five minutes going to work because I'm like, I've got to get this done while it, while the the yeah, the calls are hot. And um he's gone, yep, send it. And I'll go <laughs> put it through. And uh, I reckon I instantly uh FA'd Holman boosted <laughs> him straight away and got someone else. Um but then Duncan was Duncan was uh mid forward, so he was just like golden as well. And then he, he went to half, half back and just started chopping up in the second half of the year. So that was a good trade. And that, the other good part about that trade was that I'd picked Shoal up like Grady had turfed him to FAs and I picked Shoal up like two weeks before and then he just went like 80-80 and all of a sudden looked like looked like shit hot. <laughs> and then off he went. The uh, the Shoal sweepstakes um, could, be, uh, could be hot. Uh, I reckon uh, fresh off his three goals on uh, on Friday night in the uh, in the uh, practice game. Um, Did he kick three? Ooh. Yeah, kick three, and um, yeah, but uh, you really want him from about yeah March through May, and then uh, <laughs> when when the weather starts to go south, uh, yeah, it's uh, time to time to turf him. So yeah, sell high at about uh, early May, I reckon on uh, on Lucky Show if uh, anyone has him this year. <laughs> I'm aware, Jay, that you have another question that you want to ask, uh, Lockie, but I just need to ask a really quick one on the back of that conversation. Um, how did you sleep that night after taking Sherwood away from Leachy? Oh, like a baby. <laughs> like a like with, with just pure contentment and satisfaction. That's how I slept. Uh, over to you, Jay. Yeah, is there a, obviously you've got a couple of favorite uh, favorite trades that you've uh, ran us through, but uh, was there a favorite free agent pickup? Because obviously uh, premierships can be won with uh, free agent pickups. Um, I reckon. Well, the show one was handy in in terms of being able to facilitate that trade, but probably one underrated one was uh, Jermaine Jones, which was pretty late. Um, you his fucking love defender. Jermaine Jones. Yeah, well, he he's. Um, as the forward defender, like he was another one that just got me through that patch of injuries, meaning I could just flick him back and forward. Because I reckon at one stage I had, because Rioli was forward defender as well, I was able to chuck him forward to cover one or something like that. Uh, and then I had another one that I had to cover, and you're able to chuck Jones forward. And then, of course, uh, Simo was chucking him off half back, and he was just getting little cheapies. So he's averaging, yeah, he's going that last five, like, I don't know, like 75, 80. And then I think he dropped a 90 for me in the granny. Something like that, or like a you know high eighty. So he was, he was just one that no one wanted to touch, and he was just sitting there for ages. And I, I think I dropped him at one stage and picked him back up because uh, no one wanted to borrow him, but he just kept scoring. So he was an, he was a nice little get. I think um, one of the the key takeaways from this conversation is, and we mentioned at the top of the pod, Jr. about how our league with three hundred fifty two players selected and then free agents on top of that sets ourselves apart from every other league. The fact that we're talking about Jermaine Jones in depth right now is probably a testament to that. <laughs> um Lockie, we're No one has no one has ever talked about Jermaine Jones in depth. So he could be uh if he ends up listening to this podcast, he'll be uh, very uh, very happy with it, I reckon. I plan on inboxing very, very, very shortly. 
Um, I'm aware that Zoom is uh, about to kick us off because I'm too too cheap Eight to, minutes. to uh, pay for the full version. So, Lucky, I'm going to run through a couple of quick questions for you. And this is related to the 2023 season. Now, obviously, we haven't had our draft day yet. But we uh, do know through, I guess, general engagement with the fantasy chat, uh, into the messenger chat, sorry, and pick swapping and so on. Um, my question to you is, do you have a big improver for 2023? Who do you think that person is going to take the next leap in our fantasy league is and why? Oh, I think Grady will improve. I think he's, he's really reflected. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to get worse, are you? Um, <laughs> I think I think he will improve. I hope you know, um, and I reckon uh, Jr. is sitting right in front of us here. But I, I feel like he he's got a bit of a point to prove this year. Like he won the you know the original flag, the VFL flag, if you will, of of AAFL, and now that it's a national comp, he he's gone. Well, I've got to I've got to lift. I've got to show that that wasn't just a. A gimme. So I think the JR is um he's primed for a good season. Conversely, if it, like dropped off, so I think there's a there's a few that are gonna drop off. Do we want to talk about drop offs? Because I've got some opinions. I do have who is going to go backwards. I, mm. I just want to make a point here, Lockie. You weren't involved mm. in our previous conversation, but I referred to JR's flag in twenty nineteen as AFL social nines. Um and <laughs> it, it it like reflected, you know, the, the ten thirty PM games that you get for social basketball and social netball and you know, you win the flag and then you go home and sleep and nobody really cares about it. That's kind of what we're talking about with JR and the twenty nineteen yeah. So it's yeah. It's the type of premiership where like, you know, you you get you're calling blokes up to play at eleven thirty, you know, you go <laughs> Oh, hey, we're just trying to fill this fantasy league. Like you got anything on? So yeah, I think that's why I think the JR has a point to prove this year. He actually he needs to prove a point. To be fair, who do you think is going to slide down that AFL fantasy ladder? Well, I think the the obvious slider is Jono. I think he his window's closed. If you can't win a flag <laughs> with Brayshaw and Laird, like what what are you doing? As JR pointed out, three preliminary finals in a row for zero grand finals. I think that's the evidence there. Well, it, it shows it's evidence of mental weakness, fragility. So, I, I can't, I can't imagine that he can get past that. Uh, and, and he's very resistant to the trading. Uh, I've noticed. So, I feel that in this league, if you're not going to trade, if you're not going to, he's one who gets attached to his players, actually. So, John, if you're listening, which you will be, you, you got to make some moves, son. Um, so, I think he'll go backwards, and I feel like Davies might go backwards. Um, because he's you know he's got other things on his mind like you know odds, um, <laughs> horses, greyhounds, um, and I think Echo will too. I think Echo had a bit of a like a you know a Nick Dacos kind of um, it's a honeymoon period entering the league. Things went pretty well for him. Uh, I think we might see Echo slide uh, back to reality this year too. Well, wow, there's some uh, there's some shots fired there. There'll be uh, some boys uh, not happy with that, but uh, yeah, interesting to uh, to get your thoughts. Yeah, a, a final question for you. Um, yeah, and I'm going to preface this by saying uh, the answer uh, cannot be yourself, as someone who we have determined to be incredibly arrogant. Um, <laughs> but a uh, but a premier a premiership prediction for uh, 2023. Uh, well, I, I'd say yourself. Um... I, I, I think that 
Was this a loaded question? Did you know that I was going to say this? No, I think no. I think uh, you are um, you're in good shape here. I think you've got you've realised that drafting the Sydney Academy isn't going to work, but there is some valid, validity in looking at high draft picks and such. So I think you've kind of you're ready, you're primed. You you did not hear the uh, the start of this podcast where I uh, showed absolutely no confidence in myself that I'm not going to go back to the well with uh, my ingrained strategy of picking everyone under the age of 20. But uh, <laughs> there's, there's still time to talk myself out of it. Yeah, there's still learnings to be had. So if it's not if it's not you, I think Brad Williams could be another one who's he's he's been around the mark a couple of years and he's got all those high picks. If he gets them right, he could be a show. Loggy, thank you very much. We're going to come back from a break and we are going to do our first gimmick of the year. Okay, we're going to try something. Well, I'm going to say something new, but considering it's our first episode, everything's new. So it's our first gimmick of the year. And I asked you both yesterday to prepare uh, for a draft, but a draft of a different variety. I've asked you to prepare for a draft where you pick your favourite storylines from the 2022 season. They can be something of significance. They can be something funny. It, it doesn't really matter. It's just whatever you think is uh, the, the best narrative that we had out of 2022. And Lockie, being the reigning premier and our guest on this podcast, I've given you the number one pick in the draft. Then it will go to JR, and then I'll come back with pick three and four, and we'll go in snake order. We'll only get two picks each, so if we have some honourable mentions at the end, that's completely okay. But, Lockie, what would you say is your favourite storyline, the number one pick in the draft from the 2022 season? So this is, this is a, I guess, a personal preference, and, and possibly not everyone will find this as funny as me, but Regan calling the team shit hot. Fuck! Uh, in the yeah yeah I, I'm glad that you're upset about that because it was so it, I remember sitting at your place I think JR you might have been there as well um, and Regan was getting up and he's just looking scrolling through his phones going oh fuck oh this guy oh oh just just absolutely loving himself and his team and his work and he's there writing him he's there writing his uh, sliding doors just absolutely frothing it. Only for it to fall off a cliff a week later. I Okay, so I am disappointed because I was hoping that that storyline slipped to me at number three. Um, That is by far the funniest thing that happened in 2022. It was, and this is without exaggeration because I have screenshots, it was halfway through the second game of round one. So we had a Wednesday night game, I think, to start us off this year. And then we had a Thursday night game. And in that Thursday night game, he had called himself the the best team, the, the most shit hot team. I don't think I'm going to lose a game, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. <laughs> and you're you're right, Lucky. It correlated with how eager he was to write sliding doors reviews and and everything else along the line. That was that was my number one pick. So I'm glad that somebody actually took it and gave it the the points that it's worth. And I remember how like footy or like AFL on the footy itself also deteriorated in Regan's mind at that same time. <laughs> And he was watching Better Homes and Gardens on Friday nights. That, that's fantastic. I really enjoyed that. Footy was better 20 years ago, unless his players are dropping 120s, and it's great now. <laughs> <laughs> Footy's back. Footy's back. <laughs> 
I'm so happy that was number one. Uh, um, that's great. I'll have to revisit my my pick schedule, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm glad that that took the cake. Um, Jr. Pick number two in the storyline draft. Who have you got? Alrighty. Um, there was a couple uh, couple of storylines that um I was looking at with my first pick, but um, there's a couple that we've sort of already already touched on earlier in the pod. So I'm going to go in a bit of a uh, different direction than anticipated and, and go off script a little bit. And um, yeah, I think my favorite storyline has been the real emergence of uh, Marby or Chol as a, um, <laughs> as a real icon of the uh, quadruple AFL. Now I mean, this man, sorry, no, <laughs> no, you go, you go. No, I just want to oh, look, I'm going to be completely open and transparent because I've hopped on the bandwagon as we all have, but I wasn't a part of the initial I guess, love fest for, for Marby or Chol that started in the group. Um, I, I don't know if I was away from my phone or whatever happened, but it, it, I just came back and all of a sudden that we were very Chol-centric. So can somebody explain to me how this all kicked off? Look, uh, you would expect probably as, as the leader of the, as the, the leader of the Chol bandwagon um, that I would know this, but uh, yeah, I, I'm a little fuzzy on the origins. I think it was quite an organic, um, organic process. Obviously, you know, Marbio was a great story, um, mm. you know, and, and I think everyone, you know, really took to that and, um, yeah, wanted to wanted to be a part of it. I mean, you watch the guy play and, gee, it's an experience. Enigmatic. I mean, you've never seen a man, enigmatic mm. is the perfect description. You've never seen a man care so less but look so graceful while doing it. And, you know, like just, and the memeability of a man, you can slide him into any meme and it works. And some of the more abstract ones, featured Marbior and, you know, and I feel as the uh, quadruple AFL society really got on board, his performances really started to lift. And I would say that he lifted the Gold Coast Suns almost solely on his back to their, you know, very average season, which was quite an achievement. So I'm looking forward to seeing what Marbior has in store this year. There was even talk at one stage until we realised how much it costs of players sponsoring Marbior Cho as if he was playing for Div 3. <laughs> amateurs in South Australia, but look, um, yeah, a, a very good number two. Lockie, anything to add to that? Or you're good. Oh, just, yeah, the father, the son and the, and the Choli spirit. Uh, that, that's one of my favorite things. The Choli father. I, I've, uh, yeah, I, I certainly was, I was a bit like you, I was a little bit slow to get on the, on the bandwagon, but now I'm there. The ride is good. Would you guys say that, uh, that Marbior is probably the number one player, um, you know, in the uh, quadruple AFL consciousness, uh, as a player, we all care about as what as one that we we like genuinely love and adore. There's certainly a, there's a number that are the opposite, that, <laughs> the anti troll. That's uh, the, the anti trolls <laughs> of the world. Um, but certainly, yeah, the, the trolly spirit is, is a much loved a figure. I think across the the, the uh, competition. Um, all right, I'm up next. I've got pick three and pick four, and uh, I prepared these as a backup plan to, to Regan not being there. I just don't know how to order them, but I'll probably start with this one at number three, and that is uh, our good friend Grady Hud, who was useless for the entire year. and um, Irrelevant. Irrelevant, great word. I would also say that I personally have not mind, minded his uh, pick swapping, but I'm also a beneficiary of that this year. Um, so I'm a little concerned for his 2023 form based on what everybody else is saying. But Grady had not winning a game for, uh, we're going to say like 17 rounds, something like that. Yeah, in 2022. It was something like that. And then 
of course, it just it worked out perfectly that the person that he finally rallied the troops and beat was James Davies, who also had no reception while it was all happening. So he was traveling through the middle of Alice Springs or through the middle of the outback, I should say, to Alice Springs, thinking that he had the win on the board and everything was fine because he's playing Grady to only get reception at some random town to find about 180 memes pre-prepared by Grady about winning his first game of the year. Um, I, 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 I forgot about the memes. I, I personally love that. I don't know how quickly he made them. I don't know if he smelt a win, you know, on Thursday night and thought, oh, I better, better have these ready to go just in case. But they came, I reckon it was about 12 in about 80 seconds. He just unloaded them on the group. Grady Imagine Grant the White. shock. <laughs> well, I'm at, yeah, that's right. Not not just losing to Grady, but the six bets that he lost, and he's come back in <laughs> and check sports bet, and he's down three hundred as well. Like it would have been a double blow. Um, oh man. Uh, yeah. So that that's that's number three. But I do have a double pick, and I do have pick four. So I was glad to get this one as well because I think this. Um, not a lot of people know about this unless you were at the draft day experience. And JR, you weren't there, so um, this might be news to you. But one of the one of the more funny things that happened, and it wasn't the oh, actually no, I won't mention that because I reckon they'll get an audible mention, or one of you might grab it. But um, our new competitor and good friend Alex McKenzie, who um, rocked up to draft day <laughs> with what probably about eight laptops, um, just in case you know one of the pre- one of the previous seven shit itself. And about 180 cores, just in case they ran out of power. Um, <laughs> pre- I haven't heard this story at all. <laughs> oh, oh boy! Pre- proceeded to then <laughs> to, to then set up said laptops and just take up like an entire corner of the beer garden that we were in. <laughs> and in his, I guess, middle-aged um, panic, uh, proceeded to not get set up in time and. <laughs> Missed several picks throughout the draft that went to auto pick because he just couldn't get on in time and lost lost you know hotspot reception. But I think what summed up that day and not a lot of people know about this because I was next to him on draft day and I think we just kept it in house. But it really goes to show the preparation that he made for the <laughs> for the draft. At one stage, he he leaned over to me and trying to decide his next pick and with. <laughs> Keep in mind, you have the players on your screen wearing their, their Guernsey. He he then goes to me, uh, Adam Trelaw, who's he playing for these days? <laughs> and, then, and then proceeded to pick Aaron Hall. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Alex, it's fantastic to have you on board, but I need a better drafting experience from you this year. On the PMP. On the PMP along with John, absolutely. Mm. All right. Pick five. JR, coming back to you. Um, yeah, I, I would say almost the... Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with the, the emergence of... Um, and I think this was still 2022. It, it may not have been actually in season. But uh, yeah, the uh, emergence of uh, fantasy feeds um, in the group. <laughs> um, you know, I think... Uh, I think it's really, uh, you know, really provided some content and and got us through some pretty kind of a pretty ordinary cricket season uh, through the uh, long cold uh, or long hot uh, non fantasy months. You know, there's been some um, some great submissions, some not so great submissions, including Adam Schmidt's strawberries and cream, which could be the worst <laughs> thing I've ever seen plated. 
I, I don't know if you boys have like a favorite or or least favorite fancy feed that you've seen, but uh, yeah, oh, great, fancy great feeds. nachos. That's that's right up there. <laughs> if you can call that a a feed, b nachos. <laughs> I've got Vomit on a plate. The, pri- the pride of which it was presented as well really added to it. <laughs> I've got two. I've got two things to add to this. Firstly. In comparison to what was then presented over the next twelve months, um, Lockie, your pizza to kick things off was just fucking awful. We the 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 four cheese pizza with jalapenos that has now become a staple of fantasy. Three, three cheeses. Oh, sorry, yes, three cheeses because you doubled up on cheddar. Is that correct? Smoked cheddar is different. It's as simple as that. It's still it's cheddar. a different process, different flavor. It's still cheddar. Um, well, my, my second my second takeaway from this is is when we had a real low in the off season and I was randomly drawing people to submit their fantasy feeds for about two weeks there. By about the fifteenth pick, everybody was kind of over it, and Grady finally got his name called and he was so prepared and prepared his meal and sent it through and no, nobody cared. I didn't review it and it was just sort of over. And he then proceeded to message a group for the next two days saying, "Where's my review? Where's my review?" <laughs> 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 um, so yes, JR, great pick number five fantasy feeds. I, I truly agree, and I think it's going to be a staple heading on into twenty twenty three. Lockie, last pick of the draft, and we'll go through a couple honourable mentions at the end. Number six, who are you taking? Number yeah, so it probably segues a little bit from that, but the pizza man meme and the 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 meme the meme revolution that that inspired meme evolution. the meme evolution and. The increasing complexity and and niche of of the memes to the point where they are just incoherent to anyone outside of our our four walls. That and and now that's just it's just commonplace. Like every day, there's memes. Um, and thank you, a shout out to Bradley Williams for showing us the Snapchat face. Um, Agree. Tall because that has really sped up the meme evolution. But I think the, the pizza man. Beatles fan, you know <laughs> these these now mainstays of our 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 meme culture. Um, fantastic! This is how much of a um a thing that the Beatles loving that fan has now worked its way into not only fantasy culture but also mainstream society. Alicia now sees like hard rubbish <laughs> on the side of roads and goes, "Oh, Beatles like that." To be very wood. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you, gentlemen, for preparing that. I've narrative. actually got I last night I just on that topic, I was just scrolling through some of my photos and because I, I was trying to look for a screenshot of the premiership team. Like I don't I don't have one. I, I wish I took one, but as I was scrolling back looking there, I've come across some memes and there's this one of the pizza man, he's like the Pope or something, and he's crowning like the new Pope. I don't know what it is, but the new one is Grady's Nachos. And, <laughs> and I've just lost it. <laughs> like, show that to anyone else. I have no idea what the hell that is. Well, it's funny you mention that because <laughs> one, the crowd. one of the common things I am going to do this year, and I've already started, is running um, several memes without context by former AFL or quadruple AFL member Brent McLean to see what he, what he uh, interprets the memes as. And he is currently naught for four. And I think it'll be a miracle if he gets even, even one of them. All right. By the time you've run through uh, 15 of them, um, 
yeah, his record will probably be quite similar to his uh, AFL fantasy record the year he competed. <laughs> and he was one of the better of those uh, inaugural uh, participants. So anyway, gentlemen, thank you very much. The I, I, do, I do want to go through a couple of honourable mentions and I'm wel- welcome to hear some others. Um, some of the ones that were submitted, uh, Grady not coming to draft day because of COVID, but happily playing cricket that day. <laughs> Um, I, I can guarantee I know who submitted that. Um, just one, one of the other ones that was submitted here was just Leachy loving the Strikers, just absolutely being their number one fan. Um, I completely agree with that. Um, and the only other one that I can see here that we haven't really covered is, and I wasn't even aware of this, so I think this might actually come from James Davies, but um, it's pulling off uh, that trade that actually ruined my season, the Bailey Smith trade for Zorko when I panicked that he was missing four or five weeks. But I actually won that game um, because of that reason and uh, sent Davies to, to his rightful position of eighth on the ladder, which he never really deviates from. So does anybody else have an honourable mention? No, I think they're the main ones, aren't they? The, there's a, there was an interesting time. This is probably only – it's an offshoot of the group, but the Choli spirit – who we all love and adore, absolutely ripped us a new one in the punters club um, when we put 700 on oh, Fremantle. I forgot about that. On the nose and Chold kicked three or four or something in that game. Four, four sausage rolls to just absolutely end us. Um, and it was hard to be mad at him. It really was. And the worst part about that was we were all just losing our minds about it. And JR, who is not in the punters club, was losing his mind about how good Joel is in the fantasy group to add insult to injury. He was spectacular. Absolutely spectacular. Yeah. JR, you had your hand up. Would you like to give one last honorable mention before we hop off? I I did just want to touch on, um, and I I wasn't uh, there, so you guys may be able to provide a little more context. But uh, at the draft day, um, Stasi very confidently taking Kane Lambert. Um, it's quite a uh, interesting storyline. If you if you guys have some uh, thoughts on that, we certainly enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I will and, say, and it couldn't happen to anyone better. What I will say about that is, we say that it was confidently done, but it wasn't because I, I had Alex <laughs> on my right hand side and Stasi on my left hand side, or vice versa, whatever it was. And I was watching Stasi hover over several players for his pick, and then he was like audibly making noises like. Oh. Uh, <laughs> which I think made it funny when he finally selected the one guy in on that list that he probably shouldn't have. <laughs> I uh, I do have uh, one more one more storyline, and um, yeah, I'm sure you guys will agree. Um, my favorite storyline was uh, John actually making it out of Golden Grove and to presentation night. Um, is uh, it was a real win for the real win for the league, I reckon. So uh, yeah, just like to give him a shout out for uh, yeah his in- investment in the uh, presentation night. I'm sure we'll never see that shout out. <laughs> well, you guys got a podcast. What odds can we get on? Uh, yeah, what <laughs> odds can we get on John actually listening to this podcast? No bet. Oh, it'd have to be pretty long. You'd imagine, <laughs> um, like over twos. My my thing is with John this year. He is obviously on a performance management plan that uh, he actually left that presentation night. <laughs> so it shows um, <laughs> how, seri- how seriously he is. Uh, well, I, did, I did leave a shield there. So <laughs> it somehow made its way into state. We, t- we talked about that earlier. Yeah. Um, you are, <laughs> you are, you are coming up in May to watch the Charlie spirit play in the Q clash. So you, you might be able to grab it then gentlemen. It has been fantastic. It is a, a really hot start to this podcast. Lockie, thank you for your time as reigning premier. 
Um, you don't know this, but uh, you're actually going to be a semi-frequent guest on this podcast. Um, and you're actually going to help us out next week with uh, our over-under uh, podcast extraordinaire. So we look forward to you setting those lines almost immediately after draft day so we can get stuck into it. Um, thank you for your time. No problem. It's a pleasure to be here, lads. Really enjoyed that. We'll come back and wrap up very shortly. All right. First of all, thank you to our special guest, Lachlan Norman. Thank you to yourself, JR. Uh, can we have you again next week? Yeah, absolutely. I uh, yeah, a lot of fun, and um, yeah, happy to keep them going. Well, I've got a, I've got good news for you because next week we are absolutely ripping off my favorite podcaster, Bill Simmons, with uh, the quadruple AFL uh, over under pod. Um, so we'll get some uh, lines set by Normbet. And then we'll go into a bit of a deep dive of uh, the fantasy squads that we select on our draft day coming up. And yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. Um, speaking of sponsors, shout out to our sponsors, uh, Qantas Frequent Flyer Points. They don't know they're a sponsor, but they are because uh, quite a few of us use their fantastic program. And also thank you to uh, sponsors since day one, Normbet. Um, we really appreciate all the hard work that uh, Normbet does behind the scenes and uh, definitely... Still, is a lot of money of us pretty regularly. Jr. Anything to add at the end? No, I think we've uh, I think we've covered everything uh, everything we wanted to. So um, yeah, reckon uh, yeah, pretty uh, pretty good start. Excellent. Thank you very much. We'll see you next week. <laughs>